All right, now I want everybody to raise your hands for me. Let's get a little, little get get a little bit interactive, okay? Raise your hand for me if you have ever had what we call a mountaintop experience, okay? A mountaintop experience where like, man, you've arrived, you've become on cloud nine, everything's wonderful, all right? We've got several hands, all right? You've accomplished something that you've always wanted to accomplish, spiritually, physically, emotionally. I don't, I don't know what you may have accomplished, but all of us pretty much have had what we call a mountaintop experience, Okay, you've accomplished one of your dreams, one of your goals, and you're sitting there at the top of the mountain and you're just relishing. You're just relishing the view. You're just taking it all in. You're just uh, sp- having this spectacular, beautiful moment. You've made it to the top. You've, you've conquered the experience. The entire scene is just refreshing and energizing, Right? I mean, those, they're just, it's just such a wonderful opportunity. It seems as if the world is at your fingertips. Like you have literally conquered the world. You are above everything. You can look down and see everything around you. You can look back and see what you've come through. You can see all of those different things. You're on the mountaintop experience. And sometimes you feel like, if I can accomplish this in my life, then I can accomplish anything. You, you feel almost invincible. Mountaintop experiences are pretty amazing, pretty amazing, and they are incredibly enjoyable. But let me ask you this question. If you have had one of those experiences, how long did it last? How long did it last? Not long enough, eh? Most of the time, they don't last long enough. I find the interesting thing about mountaintops is um, they take an incredibly long time to accomplish, to reach an actual physical mountain peak takes an incredibly long time to accomplish. But you know what? There's not much land mass at the top of a mountain, is there? It's the point of the mountain. It's the smallest spot of the mountain. And so you're not there for very long before you're heading down the other side. And so you don't get to stay up there very long. You don't get to enjoy. You don't get to relish that for very long before you start heading downhill. And before long, you're in another valley. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, mountaintops and valleys, I'm talking about awesome times and difficult times. Awesome times and difficult times. Life is full of valleys with an occasional mountaintop. That's the reality. I wish I could stand here and tell you for every valley there is a mountaintop. I don't know that that's true. It's not been true in my life. I mean, I've had my share of mountaintops and they are awesome. But man, there are some valleys. There are some low spots. Again, all of them are different. Some are lower than low. Some are just plateaus. Some are just, you know, I just don't really like being here. Others, I hate being here, okay? We have all kinds of different experiences in our life. But tonight I want to take a look at a statement Paul makes in regards to some opportunities that he has in front of him. So let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And look with me in verse 5. We finished verse 4 talking about money and the gatherings when he, when he comes and the collections for the saints and giving that over to the Lord, allowing those things. But look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 5. The Bible says, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that, uh, that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, and ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until 
Pentecost. Now, this is kind of just, to me, just an interesting passage of Scripture. Uh, it it kind of just shows the personal side of Paul. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, just kind of explaining. He has spent a great deal of time talking about doctrine, the resurrection of the dead. I mean, just, just all kinds of different things, all the way through the book of 1 Corinthians. And now he's just kind of talking to his family. Hey, I'll be coming uh, when I come through Macedonia, and I'll, I'll let you kind of know when I get there. And uh, I, mean, I might stay with you all winter, I might not. It depends on what the Lord allows. And he's just kind of like chatting with his family. It's just kind of a personal feeling. But what I want you to pay attention to is something at the end of this. He says something right at the end of this that is incredibly true about many, many people. Look at verse 9. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now the reality is, I'm not sure what the great door is. And I'm not sure what the many adversaries are specifically talking about in this passage of Scripture. But this is what I want you to know. It's as if Paul is saying there is an incredible opportunity directly in front of me, but there are many adversaries. I have an opportunity. I have a great door. There's a wonderful opportunity, and it can be effective and effectual. It's opened unto me. I can walk through this. I have the opportunity to move forward on this, but... There are many adversaries. With every opportunity that God places in your life, there will be many adversaries. There will be many adversaries to try to discourage you from fulfilling that opportunity. Now let's think back to these mountaintop experiences. Did they just happen? Did they just come in and, you know, catch you off guard? The reality is we had to work through a lot, a lot of things. With every opportunity that God gives us, there is going to be adversity. If you know anything about the life of Paul, you know that Paul went through an incredible amount of adversity. An incredible amount of adversity. People just seem to want to destroy Paul. Let's, let's take a look at just some. Most of you will know these verses, but go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. The Bible says this. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In deaths off. Now Paul is genuinely comparing himself. However, Look what he says in verse 24. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. So five times he was whipped 39 times. That's a lot of whipping. Okay, I don't know that I could make it through the first 39. And Paul made it through five. From the Jews, he's very specific. Thrice was I beaten with rods. So on top of the whippings, he is beaten with rods. Uh, once was I stoned. Okay, And stoning doesn't happen by just throwing little rocks at him. 
Like when we were kids and got mad at our buddies and started whipping rocks, or my brother specifically, started whipping rocks at them. No. Again, we understand from, from history that these were big rocks. Like one rock dropped on you would break your leg. Paul was, was stoned and left for dead, and he rises up and walks back into the city. He was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have, spent, I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Verse 27, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, the most basic of need, and thirst, in fastings often, in cold, and in nakedness. Beside those things, beside those things, that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So not only was Paul dealing with a great weight physically on the outside, but internally, he was carrying the weight of all the churches that were in his life. And he verse says in verse 29, who is weak, and I, am we- and I am not weak. Who is offended, and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under Artis, the, the king, kept the city of the, the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I let down by the wall and escaped by his hand. You see, the reality is Paul just constantly was put in danger. Paul was constantly in adversity. Paul was constantly, consistently in adversity. Paul had the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share with the world. Paul had a mystery revealed unto him. Paul had God come to him and say, this is the, the salvation is now open to all the Gentiles. Here's the mystery, now go tell it to all the world. And Paul was experiencing some great adversity in order to accomplish this task. Again, anytime you have a great opportunity for Christ, there will always be adversity. Mark it down, check it, it's going to happen. Anytime you do something for Christ, you are going to have adversity. I remember as teenagers, right, which as teenagers we, for some reason, uh, always go back to those big decisions of our lives as teenagers. I remember making big decisions of my life and going home, and it was like Satan was attacking me. I want to get you to stop that decision. I want to get you to go back on that decision. And listen, anytime we try something for Christ, if we say, all right, I'm going to spend more time in my Bible this week, what happens? You get distracted, don't you? I'm just telling you, the most basic of things, anytime there's an time together, anytime there's an opportunity for you to do something for Christ, there's going to be adversity. Just mark it down. It's going to happen. Paul says, I have a great door open unto me, an effectual. There are many adversaries. You say, Pastor Yeomans, why are you telling us this? This is so not cool. Why are you telling us this? 
Well, there's an iconic Notre Dame football coach. His name is Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz said this, show me someone who has done something worthwhile, and I'll show you someone who has overcome adversity. Show me someone who has done something worthwhile, and I will show you someone who has overcome adversity. Here's the reality. Anything worthwhile is going to have adversity. And none of us like adversity, right? So what do we settle in? We settle for doing nothing worthwhile. That's the reality. We like smooth sailing. We like to take the easy road. We like to take the, the path uh, most traveled. What everybody else has done before us. But the reality is, if we're not going to do anything worthwhile or we're not going to receive any adversity, that means we are not doing anything for the Lord. Okay, so I've had instances in my life where I have literally laughed at the circumstances that were going on. They were so ridiculous, they were so bad, that it could only be Satan. It could only be Satan. And I'm thinking, this is good, right? We are doing something worthwhile. Because Satan is attacking. Anything worthwhile is going to have adversity, so what are we going to do? Here's the title of tonight's message. That was all introduction. The title of tonight's message is simply this. Rise above the adversity. Rise above the adversity. You say, I don't want to. I don't know how to. What do I do? Well, let's just break this down just a bit, little bit. Number one, we need to recognize our calling. Recognize our calling. I, I, I want to just take you through just a short Bible study here. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Jump down to verse 18 with me. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. The Bible says this. Paul speaking, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me. Why? That utterance may be given unto me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Watch here, verse 20. Watch. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Okay. Already Paul is saying, listen, my calling is sure. I am an ambassador in bonds to proclaim the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what my calling is. That is who I am here for. Go to Colossians chapter 4. Philippians, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. Look at what Paul says here. With all praying also for us. That God would open unto us a door of utterance, watch, to speak the mystery of Christ, watch, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So Paul realizes what his calling is. Paul realizes what his job is to do. Paul realizes what it is that he needs to accomplish in this world. He needs to accomplish the furtherance of the mystery of the gospel of Christ. 
Simply, Paul was just to accomplish his calling. That's it. Most of us think that we have to do above and beyond our calling, right? We, we all understand that Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 is a, is a thing, right? Let's go into all the world. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Baptizing them, teaching them. All of these different things are the things that we are supposed to do and we think, well, I have to get someone saved. Listen, Paul just said, my goal is to go out and and cast the seed of the gospel. It's God's job to give increase. I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gives the increase. It's just my job to fulfill the calling. And Satan tried to stop Paul from fulfilling his calling countless times. Adversity. Romans chapter 1 and verse 1 Paul opens and says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Like, this happens over and over and over and over. Paul introducing himself. Paul describing himself. Paul knows his calling. Listen, you can put up with a lot of adversity when you have been called to accomplish something specific i could put up with a lot i've been doing a bit of running not a whole lot but a bit (laughs) and i know where the end is okay it's not that far i'm not running a lot i don't run very far but you know what i know where the end is and i can put up with the pain in my stomach i can put up with my legs hurting i can put up with the thoughts in my head until i get to the end because i know where the end is Right? The goal is there. It's easy to put up with adversity when you can see the goal. But if there's just some random, we have no idea where the end is, we're just going to keep going until we feel like stopping, I'm going to stop really early. I can put up with far more adversity when I know my calling. So let me ask you tonight, what has God called you to? And and I'm not talking about what God has called us all to. Because God has called us all to do, there's so many things of the will of God in the Bible. Well, what has God called you specifically to? Has God called you to preach? Has God called you to teach? Has God called you to do something for him? To be a nursery worker, a children's worker? I don't know. You tell me what God has called you to do. And I'm going to tell you that, listen, you got to keep that in your mind. Recognize your calling. I don't necessarily think Paul was bragging about this. About his calling. He's just reminding himself, this is my calling. This is who I am. This is what I do. And you know what? I'm going to proclaim, and 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 I'm going to proclaim until the end. He gets to the end and says, I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have fought the good fight. It's a fight. It's an adversity. So what has God called you to? What has God called you to be a part of? Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. 
Philippians chapter 1. Look with me in verse 6. Again, Paul speaking. He says, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Paul is saying, listen, I know what it is. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, I've been there. You need to accomplish this as well. Jesus has accomplished something in my life. He continues to accomplish it. He says there, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. I know what it's like. God will accomplish it in you. He's going to accomplish it. He's given you a work to do. Listen, if you will just keep going... God will continue to work in you. God will continue to accomplish what he has called you to do. You ever wonder what it is that God can do through you? Have you ever sat and thought, God, what can you do with me? If you haven't, I, I would challenge you. I don't care what your age is. I would challenge you to pray, God, what can you do with me? And as God opens doors, start walking through them. It's one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got. Was, there's always doors in front of you. And as God opens them, you walk through them praying the whole time, God, if this is not the direction you want me to go, please close the door. Please close the door. And you know what? God continues to open doors, effectual doors, great doors. But guess what? There's going to be adversity. Anytime you do something for God, there's going to be adverse, adversity. So recognize your calling. Number two, very simply, recognize your adversary. Recognize your adversary. I think so many times we get distracted about who our adversary is. Can I be honest with you? We have one adversary, and he has many demons. <laughs> Some of them have the body and the face of your loved ones. I don't mean that rudely, as if they're demonic. <laughs> you may think that about your loved ones or your family or friends, but that's not what I mean. The fact of the matter is, Satan will use people. Satan will use the people sitting next to you. Satan will use Christians. Satan will use all kinds of different things. Uh, just 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You see, Satan is the adversary. And so, I, I just can, again, I just be extremely open with you. There are times when I look at people that I love and think, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? 
Why are you getting in the way of what God is trying to do? Why are you doing this? And the reality is what happens in my heart is I begin despising the person. And again, they don't necessarily, they mean well. But what happens is we get despising the people and we forget that there is an adversary out there who is trying to distract us and to get us off course. Satan does not want you to accomplish God's will for your life. He is going to distract you. He is going to devour you. He is going to demotivate you. He is going to disorient you. He is going to deter you from what it is that God has called you to do. He desperately wants to do that. And he's going to do it through people. He's going to do it through circumstances. One of the most interesting things I heard while I was on holidays several weeks ago was this. We were talking about revivals that had gone through. And the discovery was made that every revival stopped when a social justice opportunity came forward. Okay, so let me illustrate. Martin Luther King Jr. Okay? I'm all for what, like, I I guess I can't say all for what he did because I haven't read everything that he was for. But he was for equality, okay? And I'm okay with that. But here's the reality. What happened was Christians left, hear me, Christians left what they were called to do and they went towards something that was good absolutely good but they took from what was best and they went towards something that was good and guess what happened revival stopped they got they got out of the book they got out of what god had called them to do there was another revival that happened a little later and then all of the sudden everybody got on this anti-abortion thing i'm all for being against abortion. Please understand that. But the reality is all the Christians left what God had called them to do and jumped on this good thing, not a bad thing, and got distracted. Listen, Satan is deceitful. He will take you away from what is best, what, is, what God has called you to do. And he will slide something in there that's good and try to get you to fight that. Listen, I want you just to think about this with me. If people remain close to God, if people remain close to God and tell other people about Jesus Christ and grow and revival continues, listen, what happens to these social justice things? What happens to abortion? Does it just go away? You know what? If everybody's getting saved and knowing Jesus Christ and they're all over here spending time with Jesus Christ, I believe that abortion just goes away. It's not a problem. Because people are coming to Christ. And again, that's a dream world. That's an absolute dream world. But I want you to understand what's happening is Satan is desperately trying to deter you from what God has called you to do. And Paul, Paul, in another passage of Scripture, he's like, I thank God that I baptized none of you. 
My calling is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't want to get deterred by who was baptized by who. And I was of Paul, and I was of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. We just want to preach and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Paul was not deterred from that. He's going to do things through people. He's going to do things through, through circumstances. Let's just get real. Have you been distracted by COVID? I'm just, I'm gonna be honest, I have been. And God is, Satan has distracted me. And you know what? I wanna get mad at government. I wanna get mad at people. I wanna yell at the guy in the drive through, right? Like, I wanna do all of those things. Adversity. God has not called me to be mad at the government. God has not called me to be mad at my friends and my coworkers and all of these other things. Listen, God has called me to maintain focus as to what he has called me to do. So easily distracted. Often the times, again, we start looking at the people that are giving us trouble and we start looking at the circumstances that are causing us pain and we forget who our adversary is. Have you ever lost your temper on somebody and thought, ugh, Satan just won that battle. Not Satan made me do it, because you made the choice. But Satan just won that battle. If you can maintain the perspective of Satan's not getting me in this one, it will change your perspective on life. We forget often who our adversary is, and we forget what God has called us to. We're distracted. And oftentimes we forget that if we give in to this temptation to quit, we give in to this temptation to be upset, what we are actually doing is we are giving in to Satan. We are pleasing Satan instead of pleasing God. We also tend to forget this. We also tend to forget that other people are going through the same problem. We also tend to forget that other people are going through highs and lows. We forget that just because they're celebrating a high, a mountaintop experience, doesn't mean that they're getting ready to head into a low. There's a great opportunity there for them, and it's going to take a lot of adversity to get through. Paul remind us here in Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll go back there if you would, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. <clears throat> Paul reminds us, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all, for all, for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may openly open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul's saying, listen, we need to be praying for each other. Listen to me. There are people that sit next to you tonight. There are people that sit next to you on a Sunday morning. There are people that come to prayer. There are people that are online. There are people all over this world that are going through the exact same thing that Paul is describing here. They're, maybe, they're on, maybe they're on a mountaintop. 
And instead of celebrating with them, you allow Satan to distract you and be jealous of where they are. I'm guilty of that. I am a comparison freak. I despise it. But I'm guilty of that. Satan distracts me. Instead of congratulating them and being there with them, I get upset and jealous. And I get distracted from what God has called me to do. So instead of maybe getting jealous, or instead of maybe making fun of somebody who's in a valley, ha, glad I'm not there. Instead of doing those things, maybe we should pray. Hey, God, somebody that's on a mountaintop experience, man, thank you for putting them there. God, some things are going to happen. Adversity is going to come again. Would you, would you please protect them? Man, God, they're in such a bad place right now, in a very difficult situation. God, would you please lift them up? Would you please grant them the courage? Would you please give them the strength that they need in order to continue to serve you? Father, they need you. They need to fulfill your will in their lives. Instead of being in competition with other people, we need to pray for one another. And if we would pray for one another and not be in competition, I believe we would take away one of Satan's greatest tools. Praying for one another. I could spend a great deal of time here in Ephesians chapter 6. About, and I, so let's, let's just, quickly, just quickly look through this. Look at verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Okay, that's important. Be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in your own might. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor. Whose is it? Whole armor of God. It's God's armor. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The only way you're going to stand against the wiles of the devil is because of God and God's armor. For, watch, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities and against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Can I encourage you? Always come back to the truth. Listen, I have, again, I'm young, but I have never seen such confusion in my entire life, what's going on in our culture right now, everything is nuts. Come back to the truth. The only, that, well, the only way that we're going to protect ourselves from the philosophy, the vain imaginations of man, and even from ourselves, is coming back to the truth. Everything's being watered down. Everything is being sloshed around and upended. Come back to the truth. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, covering your in, internal organs. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, 23, keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Righteousness has to come from inside of you. Breastplate of righteousness, have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
We should always be ready to tell other people about the good news. Always ready to give an answer to any man of the reason of the hope that is in you. He says, above all, verse 16, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In fact, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 so for, says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We want to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We want to overcome. We want to overcome adversity. We want to step above it. We want to rise above adversity. Faith. What God has called us to do. He says in verse 17, And take the helmet of salvation. Salvation, again, I love this. Satan, I'm not yours anymore. I've been born again. I'm not yours anymore. My head belongs to someone else, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Christ is my head now. See, I'm not yours anymore. You don't get to control me anymore. You don't get to fulfill me. I am free and free indeed. He finishes and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Again, I want to make sure you understand this. It's the Spirit's sword. We often say it's our sword, but it's the Spirit's sword. You know what the Spirit uses the sword for? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even of the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen, let the sword of the Spirit be used in you. We think, and again, it is Jesus quoted Scripture to Satan, but the best way to keep Satan out of our lives is for the Word of God to pierce through our, us. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Listen, Paul's saying, I got an awesome opportunity. I got a, I got a wonderful thing getting ready to happen, but there are many adversities. I want you to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in which Paul lists all of the things that he has gone through, the adversity, the adversity, the incredible adversity. There's not one person here that understands the adversity that Paul went through. There are some people that have had more adversity than others, but I'm telling you, Paul went through some adversity. Chapter 12 begins an extremely famous passage. Paul begins to tell us that he knew a man, verse 3, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And he begins to talk about this man. And Verse 7, Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, I've been given a lot. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Watch now. The messenger of Satan the adversary to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me 
verse 9, and he being God said unto me, my, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you just to stop there just for a second. The adversity that comes is simply for God to get the glory. Because if you could do it on your own, you would get the glory. And God says, listen, this is not about you. This is about my will being accomplished through you. Paul very famously says, most gladly. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen, when there's adversity, that's when God gets to shine. I'm telling you right now, after still going, continuing to go through COVID, you look back a year and a half, and you just go, wow, does God shine. There's not one thing I have done. There's not one thing our staff has done. There's not one thing our church has done that you go, wow, that was a great idea. That was like life-changing. Uh-uh. Nothing. We just tried to do what God called us to do. And look, God provides. And you know, we go, I don't know how this is working. I don't know how this is happening. But God is still working and God is still doing something because when we are weak, that's when God's strong. So listen, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what struggle you're going through or maybe you're on a mountaintop experience. Let me congratulate you for being there. But as you get into this adversity, just realize God is using it for his glory. So rise above the adversity. Rise above, overcome through the power of God, and pray for each other. Pray for each other. Put on God's armor and allow Him to overcome through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. I want to thank you for the opportunity. Father, thank you for the adversity in my life. Genuinely, my flesh hates it. But Father, every single time I'm drawn closer to you, every single time I come running to you, and Father, I pray that I wouldn't have to have adversity to run to you. Father, above all, above all, would you get the honor and glory for my life and never stand in the way Father, for these people who are here tonight, who are listening online, Father, would you please give them great strength to overcome, to rise above the adversity, to just fulfill your calling on their life. 
Father, would you please remind us of that tonight? If we've gone astray, if we've gotten away from that calling, then Father, bring us back to it tonight. And let us rise over adversity. Satan has no hold on us anymore. He does not have the power. Help us to quench all his fiery darts. Father, I pray that we would command him in your name to get behind us so that we can focus on what it is that you've called us to do. Help us to be strong in you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.